All right, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we're walking through the Lord's Prayer. We're on to this, this final request. Uh, again, some people put the last two together as a, as a final request. I thought of that as we're, as we're reading the Luke one. I was uh, sort of reminded of that. that, that that's fine. You know, don't, don't bring stretchings to us, but instead, you know, deliver us from evil. So we've, we've talked about what uh, evil is. What is it? What, what, how is it? You know, this is the opposite of good. It's not doing what God tells us, as God has revealed, is what His will uh, is, and we talked about why evil is a problem. Uh, We talked about how we live in an evil world filled with uh, evil people who hate to have their evil pointed out to them, and we'll call you evil for doing it. Uh, So that's why evil is going to be a problem for the Christian. And then the last couple weeks, we looked at how the Bible talks about the Christian's battle against evil. How do we fight against evil. What does it look like to fight evil? And and we've looked at the, the Christian's battle against that. But today, we're going to look at what is really the focus of, of this request in the prayer. Not so much about the Christian's battle against evil, but about evil's battle against the Christian. Uh, if you look, it, 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 this isn't, you know, God help me, you know, Father, you know, don't bring me into stretchings, but help me to fight evil better. It's, Father, deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. And so let's, let's stand as we'll read the Lord's Prayer again. And then we'll look at this final section. Start talking about how evil is attacking the Christian. And what means and methods it uses so that we might know how to pray, deliver us from evil. So we may be prepared for that battle as, as well. Jesus in Matthew 6, just like we saw in Luke. This is an earlier moment. He says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Father, I pray today you would in your kindness and grace. Father, show us what it means to be delivered from evil. I pray that we would see the war that the enemy wages against us. So that we would not be caught, uh, Father, ignorant or lazy or unawares. And Father, we might know that you alone are our recourse and our rescue. Father, deliver us from evil. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so that's the, that's what we're going to look at uh, this week and the next couple weeks, this idea of delivering us from evil. So we'll look at why we, why do we need to be delivered? Why is it not? Father, don't bring us into stretchings, but help us to battle the evil. Why is it asking for deliverance from evil? And so we're going to look at evil's battle against us. Now, evil may lose. It may have already lost, but evil is going down swinging and we don't want to be clipped on the way down. We want to make sure that we understand the battle is going on, even though the victory has been won. And so that's what we're wanting to be delivered from. So the question we're going to get is, how does evil attack us? How does evil attack the Christian? And notice that we're going to talk specifically about evil attacking the believer. 
This isn't how evil attacks everyone. This is how evil attacks specifically those who are children of God. Those who can say legitimately, our Father in heaven. Those who've been redeemed by Christ. So how does evil attack us? How can we, if we know we're praying to be delivered, how do we understand the assault that happens to us? How do we understand the attacks that are going to come our way? What is evil going to do? Well... What evil is going to do and how evil is going to attack you is going to depend on what evil you're talking about. What evil are you talking about? Evil is used to describe several different enemies for the Christian, all of which are going to seek our downfall, all of which are going to be sources of stretchings of various kinds. So let's look back at this prayer. Let's look at deliver us from evil. Now, I want you to see this because when it was written, there's actually, the way it was written, there's actually some ambiguity here about who is the evil that this prayer is talking about. Because if we, if we wanted to be literal, and some of, your, some of your Bible translations might even have like a footnote attached to it and say literally, you know, or say the evil one or, or something like that. Because in the Greek, there is the word the in front of, in front of evil. There is what's called an article. The article is in front of that word. So if we were sort of literally reading it, it would be deliver us from the evil. And so then the question becomes, what is the evil? Not just evil necessarily in general. What is the evil that he's talking about? Now, what the evil is specifically can run a gamut of options. And people have, you know, and all of these are options from the scripture. All of these are ways that, that this phrase or this idea has been used in the Bible. So there's four chief ones that people talk about when we look at what is this, the evil that we're asking to be delivered from? Well, one of the things is just evil in general. That you can describe evil as, you know, not just evil, but evil itself. Uh, delivers from that. Or it could be to describe evil events like calamities. Deliver us from those things. Because again, people say, look, what are times of stretching? Times of stretching are all often calamitous times. Calamitous times often stretch us. So Father, deliver us from those evil events. It could be talking about evil people. Deliver us from the evil out there. The evil ones. Or it could be talking about the evil one. Specifically Satan, uh, the devil. Now, all of those are options. All of those are options of, of what it could mean for deliver us from evil, evil, evil events, evil people, the evil one. Now, we're, what we're going to do is, what I like to do is, the reason those are all options is those are all talked about in scriptures in the scripture as problems for the Christian. So rather than just taking one and talking about that battle, we're not going to just pick one. We're going to talk about all of those. We're going to look at the various forms of evil that the Christian might face, everything from evil in general uh, to evil situations, calamities, to the evil world, to the, the evil one, because we're going to see the Bible describe each of those is going to bring a different type of stretching to you. Each of those evils, all of them are described in Scripture as evil, but all of them are going to stretch you different ways. And so I didn't want to choose one, And say, okay, this is the one, and so we'll focus on how you're going to be stretched by this particular evil. Because I think here in this passage, it's talking about that one. Now, I do have a a preference as to what I think. But if we did that, that'd leave the three other things that you're going to face. And you would be unawares of how to deal with those assaults. 
You would only be prepared for, you know, I'm, uh, let's say I chose Satan, as we're going to talk about today. If I just talked to you about how Satan is going to attack you as a believer, but didn't tell you how calamities that you face, hard times that you face, how evil people, how evil itself, I didn't talk about those things, you might be prepared for Satan's attack, but not the others. And so rather than just picking one of those and, and talking about that particular evil and the way it attacks the Christian, the way the Bible describes how it attacks you, we're going to look at all of those. And we're going to walk through each of those and talk about how it attacks you and how the Lord specifically delivers you from those. The deliverance that the Lord brings and has equipped you with in the midst of those battles. So that's how we're going to sort of go for the next several weeks. We'll get, we'll get evil's battle against the Christian. Evil is going to come against us. Uh, and we'll, we'll just go through each, each one of those. So we don't really need to, to pin down a, a specific one because these are all problems and these are all things that we need to be delivered from. And they're all things that the Bible is going to show us we are going to be delivered from, we have been delivered from, and we will be uh, delivered uh, from. So it'll be helpful for us to know to prepare ourselves what sort of battles can we expect to face as Christians? Uh, what enemy are we facing when a battle comes up? When we're being stretched to know who the enemy is, what situation is causing me to be stretched? I need if I because if I know that if I know it's Satan or the evil the evil people in the world or just a evil event, what is bringing the assault is going to help me to understand how that thing attacks Christians. What the Bible warns specifically about those events, because the Bible doesn't lump all of those into one sort of category. It talks about particular ways that these enemies might stretch you. And then the Bible talks about the deliverance that comes with each one of those. So rather than just throwing out some sort of panacea for all of them, uh, we're going to talk specifically about you know, this evil and how the Lord uh, delivers it, uh, delivers us from it. Because all of them, evil, calamities, the world, uh, Satan, they're all going to stretch you. They will all stretch you. They're all going to battle you. You're going to deal with all of them. Uh, and so we need to be prepared uh, for uh, all of them. And so we'll talk about uh, evil's battle against the Christian. And we're going to start out with the chief of evil, the chief of evils, the Prince of principalities, uh, we're going to talk about Satan. Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, and again, this just is building off that idea of, you know, we, you guys didn't like it when we were talking about stretchings because it felt like the Lord stretched you. And then I said, well, good news, we're about to talk about evil. Uh, and they're like, well, that's going to be great having that in my life. And now we're upping it even more. We're going to talk about Satan. Uh, and you're like, just let me know when you're done with this. Uh, I'll just catch it on the podcast, not at night. Uh, and, and we'll go, we'll go from there. So let's talk about, uh, if we, if we look at this, you know, deliver us from the evil, let's talk about the evil one. Let's talk about, about Satan. Now it is, like I said, it is, it is really interesting that, that we do, we do say that this is the evil, uh, that literally it's the evil. And there are a lot of verses that speak about the evil, very similar to what we have here in, in, uh, in Matthew 6 in this, in this Lord's Prayer. You could translate any of them as evil or the evil one. Now, what's interesting about the Lord's Prayer is typically when the ESV translates this phrase, the evil, and by typically, I mean every other time, that they translate this phrase, uh, this, this Greek phrase from the evil, they will translate it as the evil one. 
So normally that's what they do. Uh, you can understand, though, why they would choose not to do that in the Lord's Prayer. Because you don't want to have a long explanation of why you change the Lord's Prayer from deliver us from evil to deliver us from the evil one. Uh, and then have to explain, well, technically there's an article here. And if you look, all these other passages say it, to, you know, they don't. And it's the same thing over here. So, rather, so just to keep it sort of blank and, and let you do with evil what you want to do. Uh, this is the one time the ESV doesn't translate this phrase as the evil, uh, as the evil one. Now, there are two passages in the New Testament that clearly show us this phrase, the evil, is certainly... Now, it doesn't have to be talking about the evil one, but we know sometimes it is. So that's how we know sometimes this phrase does mean Satan. We're going to talk about those two passages. I'm going to point them out right now. But there are two passages in the New Testament uh, that specifically talk about the evil, and it's very clear that they're talking about the devil. It's very clear that the author's talking about Satan. The, the epitome of evil, evil personified. Now we know uh, evil itself is not a personal entity, okay? So evil does not exist as, as a thing, okay? So it's, it just as good is not a person. You can't go, oh, there goes good. Good is out there doing his good thing. Good is not a person, but rather a description an, an evaluation, right? God is good, but good is not God, right? Uh, in the same way, so too, evil does not exist as its own sort of being out there, uh, you know, sort of standing in contra step to, to the Father. There's not like good versus evil, right? There's God and his will, which is good, and everything not his will, everything that he has said not to do, or things that he said to do and you don't do. That's evil. But there is one, there is a being whose actions are evil. Who could appropriately be called the evil one. And that is Satan or the devil. Now people have all sorts of ideas about who Satan is. There are some people who if I mentioned the name Satan would leave the room. Because they thought that I would be invoking him in some way. Uh, and I say that because I've had those conversations. So I'm like, you know, it could just be that the devil's really, don't say his name. Uh, and I'm just like, oh, okay. Uh, I'm going to say it again. Um, just so you know that you don't have, to, don't have to fear that. There's all sorts of ideas of who Satan is. Where did he come from? Uh, what does he do? We're not going to get into deep detail about the origination or personhood of who Satan is, what we're going to get into primarily is looking at what, is, what does he do against believers? How is Satan going to attack you? Because you don't need, you, as, it is good to know the things that God has revealed about him, right? Or he wouldn't reveal them. But what you really need to be aware of in terms of stretching and in terms of this prayer is how you need to be delivered from him. What deliverance you need from, uh, from the evil one. And, and we're, we're going to primarily, primarily look at that because no matter what the various view you hold about Satan, none of them are, he seems like a good guy, right? None of them are, you know, oh, I, you know, I think he's just misunderstood. There's not any of those. In all of them, he's always an adversary. He's always an enemy of the, of the people of God. So, Let's talk today about how does Satan attack us? How does Satan attack us? And before we get started, I know you might already be saying, wait, 
I thought you've told us over and over we don't need to, you know, you know that we don't need to fear Satan, right? That you know, isn't he isn't he bound? Isn't there you know, isn't there only hasn't he already been beaten? Isn't there only one of him and like a billion, you know, people in the world and the odds of him, you know, messing with us are are slim. You know, he may not even know where Highway 16 is, much less bags, you know, so and then much less my house and my room in bags. Like, oh, I thought you already you you've explained now those things are all true. Satan Satan is bound, but that doesn't mean he's inactive. Jesus may be plundering his house. He may not be able to deceive the nations anymore. He may be defeated, but he is not dead. And you're right. There is only one of Satan and billions of people. And we don't want to overdo the, you know, the, was it the 60s or 70s? The, old, the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. What was that from? It was a thing. I can't remember. Anyway, uh, we don't want to overplay that, that the devil's the one doing all of it. But the Bible does talk about all wickedness as being a part of the work of the father of wickedness. So how does Satan attack the Christian? How does Satan attack us if all those things are still true? Well, to begin with, we have to understand who Satan is. And to understand who he is at the most basic level, we need to understand his name. His name is going to tell us a lot about what he is going to do. His name is a descriptor for his actions. And there are two primary names for the evil one, uh, Satan uh, or the devil. You're going to see those two names for the same person. So you're reading through your Bible, you see the devil. You're reading through the Bible, you see Satan. Those are two names for the same individual. So who is Satan? Who is this fallen angel, this fallen son of God who's been battling man since the garden? Well, to understand his battle against us, we need to look into that name. Satan's name is very interesting. It's a description of what he's going to do. Now, Satan, the word Satan, is actually a Hebrew word. It's a Hebrew word that means accuser, uh, adversary. If someone was getting in the way of someone else, that person would be Sataning them, getting in their way. Like this is mentioned in the story of Balaam and the, and the donkey. You know, the angel was Sataning him, was getting in the way of, of, of the donkey. It's used in places like 1 Kings eleven fourteen. 1 Kings eleven fourteen. It says, and the Lord raised up an adversary, literally a Satan. And the Lord raised up a Satanas, a Satan, against Solomon, uh, Hadad the Edomite, and he was of the royal house of Eden. So, so using this word Satan, Satan, so this word Satan just means this adversary, someone who gets in your way, someone who's a, who is your accuser. So Satan is that. He is our adversary. He is the one who stands in our way. He is the one who accuses us of being guilty. Now the word devil is a very similar word. So Satan is that Hebrew word. You go to the Greek, you're going to get not the word Satan, Satan. You're going to get the word uh, devil or diabolos. The devil. Uh, this is, so you'll find this in the New Testament. Means, but it's going to mean a very similar thing. It's going to mean accuser, uh, slanderer. It, literally, the word devil, diabolos, means someone who throws things. 
the one who throws things, just you can like just flinging things. Often words we're going to see untrue words against the believer. That's how it becomes someone who is a slanderer. So, for example, First Timothy three eleven. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers. Now, in the Greek, it's literally not devils, not diabolos. But can you imagine? Make sure their wives are dignified and not devils, okay? Uh, not, not so, because, but sober-minded, uh, faithful in all things. Uh, you see the same thing, Titus 2, 3. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not diabolos, not devils. Uh, or slaves to much wine, they are to teach what is good. So you can see the idea there behind, you know, why does Satan get the name Satan in the Hebrew and then the word devil or diabolos, diablo, uh, as you'll sometimes hear it in the New Testament. It's because of what he does. He is the accuser. He is our adversary. He is the one standing in our way and who is slandering us. Slandering us to others, as we're going to see primarily to God, and often slandering us to ourselves. Slandering who we are in our own hearts, in our own minds, in our own thinkings. Now the two are essentially the same thing. In fact, in in the Septuagint, which is the, the Greek version of the Old Testament written before the time of Christ, where the word Satan appeared, they turned it to the word diabolos. So the word devil. So before the New Testament writers even started writing the New Testament, Satan was already known as the devil, as the the flinger of words, the flinger of things, the thrower, the slanderer. So what does the devil do? How does he accuse us? How is he our adversary? How is he slandering us? What does that look like? Well, the Bible actually describes it in several places. Uh, Look at Zechariah chapter 3 verse 1. Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan, standing at his right hand to accuse to Satan. So Satan standing to Satan him, to accuse him. So here we see Satan, the devil, standing in the heavenly places, battling against us. By accusing us to God, slandering who we are. Well, what is Satan doing in these heavenly places? That's, we get that from Job chapter 2. We can see, so we know Satan is there standing next to the, uh, the angel of the Lord, standing at his right hand, ready to accuse us, ready to slander us, ready to get in our way. He's against us. He's our enemy. What's he doing in these heavenly places? Job chapter 2. Again, there was a day. When the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. This is an interesting passage. Uh, it's an, in fact, I was randomly asked about this passage at the coffee shop because that's what happens to pastors. I said, hey, and they're like, hey, I know you. And we talked. He said, aren't you the pastor of the first church? Yeah. He said, what do you do with sons of God in Job chapter 2? Uh, and I was like, well, I mean, you got to go with. So anyway, uh, I said, come on Sunday and tithe and you can find out. No, I, I said, you know, I, we talked. And then I thought he'd at least buy me a coffee, but he didn't. Uh, And there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and walking up and down on it. Which just, that, that just annoys the fire out of me when he says that. That... I'll get like Mr. Jackson mad when I read that. It's just like, good night, you know. 
walking up and down on your creation, the, things that, the thing that you made. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? That there's none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. He still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. So what is Satan doing in the heavenly places? Satan is in the heavenly places accusing us. And in this place in Job, we see he has tried inciting God to destroy the people of God, accusing them to the father of evil so that the father would destroy Job. And the father's like, he didn't do anything. He's blameless and upright. And yet you tried to incite me to destroy him. That's what Satan was doing in the heavenly places. He's standing in the heavenly places, accusing us, slandering us to the Father. Destroy them. Destroy him. This is interesting in Job. Job, in Job, God doesn't, or Satan doesn't just question, cause Job to question his faith. Satan tries to cause God to question Job's faith. He said, you wanted me to, you wanted me to, you wanted me to destroy him because he'd done evil. And he, he hadn't, he was blameless. He's upright. Now, this has changed somewhat. This has changed uh, with the coming of the kingdom of God. So, Revelation chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who's called the devil and Satan. The deceit, and that's not two people. Ancient dragon, and then the devil, and Satan. These aren't, these aren't three people, not the dragon. Uh, this is, a, this is the, the, the ancient serpent, the dragon, who is called the devil and called Satan. The deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth. His angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. So Satan, so at the coming of the kingdom of God, part of the, uh, of the, of the work of Christ in the kingdom is that Satan is thrown down. He's no longer able to accuse us before the throne. The, the seat at the right hand of the throne is now occupied by another. And the seat at the right hand of the throne is not an accuser, but an intercessor. So what does he do now? Well, verse 17 tells us. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. Satan makes war with the church. That's what he does. He makes war with the church. He is our adversary, our accuser, our slanderer, our enemy. It's in his very name. He got these names because that's who he is. Those things didn't become, you know, didn't get their names changed because of Satan. Satan gets his name because what he is, is he's a Satan. He's an adversary. He's the one who stands in the way of God's people. He is a flinger. He is a slanderer, a thrower, a diabolos. He is a devil. So our question now is, how is Satan, how is the dragon, how is the devil, how is the serpent making war on the children of our God? What are Satan's tactics? And we'll look this week and next week specifically about how the Bible says Satan attacks you, how he attacks the people of God. The first thing we're going to see this week, one of the clearest examples of Satan's war against the people of God 
is found in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. What are Satan's, what are Satan's tactics? In all circumstances, it says, take up the shield of faith which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Okay, all the flaming darts of the evil one. So one of the ways Satan attacks believers is with all flaming darts. You're right, lots of flaming darts, many flaming darts. Those are what we want to focus on. Uh, we said that there are two times where the evil one is clearly referring to the devil. This is one of those times because you could say, well, how do we know it's not, how do we know it's not extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil? Like maybe evil people out there are flinging darts at us or maybe it's just evil in general or maybe it's evil darts from when calamity comes into our life and that pings our faith. And well, it's because if you look back at verses 10 and 11 in Ephesians 6, if you just flip back, just up in your Bibles, it says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Okay, and then we've got a couple verses later, and this is what the evil one does. You know, these, this, is, this is the things that the evil one is doing. This is part of his, uh, his scheme. So, so in this war against us, how does Satan attack us? Well, he hurls, he hurls at you flaming darts. Okay, so what does that teach us about how Satan attacks the believer, the tests he brings our way, the temptations, the stretchings that we might face specifically from Satan. Well, let's look first at the weapon that Satan uses. Satan uses darts in the ESV. The word, uh, the word there is dart. Now, I want you to understand uh, in the er- early centuries when they're going to war and they're using darts, don't think of some weird backyard pool room or, you know, where Satan's got darts. You know, you're going, you know, I mean, that's less scary. Uh, you know, uh, this, this word, it, it, could, it, it literally just means a thrown thing. It means something thrown. And so they translate it darts. It could also be translated spears. Sometimes it's translated arrows, different translations. It's, it's, it, it, in all of them, it's something that's thrown at you. He's throwing things at you. Dart, spear, arrow, all of them would fit that description. It's a weapon But this is the importance of that. This is not a close-range attack. The attacks from Satan come from a distance and yet are meant to kill you, which is important because that means we will not always see the attack coming. This is why we always have to be ready. This is why we always have to have our shield up. We always have to be behind the shield of our faith because the fire, he's not just going to walk up, tap us on the shoulder and shove a gladius in our stomach. He's not going to walk and say, hey, buddy, you know, and he's sharpening his sword and going, we're going to fight in about five minutes because that's when your wife's going to stop talking and you're going to say something really dumb. Okay, Uh, that's not what's going to happen. He doesn't do that. He fires arrows at you. He hurls spears from a distance. And if you're not ready, they will hit you without you even being aware that the attack had started. 
That's why, again, we've got to take up the shield. What does it say? In all, as it start of verse 16, in all circumstances, not in all fights, not in, not in all scary events, not in even all stretchings. He says, in all circumstances, you have your shield ready. Because Satan is going to hurl from a distance this stretching. He's going to attack you from afar. It's a throne thing. It's not an up close thing. And that's why we've got to have our shield up at all times because you don't know when something or conversation or a situation is going to take a turn. And you don't know where it's going to come from. I mean, how many fights have happened and you describe it and you say that was out of the blue well that wasn't expected i didn't i didn't expect that we don't schedule them right we don't schedule the fights we aren't given a warning well sometimes the holy spirit gives us a warning this is going bad we just sometimes don't listen to it but the start of that normally the warning is oh Oh, it's already started, right? The warning comes not before you say something and you see her face go, you know, like, hmm? Not before your child acts a certain way and you respond, or don't respond at all. Not before those, there's not a warning, hey, temptation coming, not even within the next five, within the next five minutes, be ready. There'll be a temptation. So we're like, what's it gonna be? The devil has, you know, we don't get, we've got no spiritual NORAD here, you know, letting us know that there's an ICBM from the United Socialist Satanist Republic, uh, and it's coming over, it's right over Alaska, get to you in about five minutes. Oh no, I better be ready. This is DEFCON, you know, was it five or one? Which is the worst one? Is it five? Is that the worst one? One's the worst one? Yeah, I never asked the Eastern European, he knows. Uh, so I, you, you never know, you never know. We don't have that. We don't have that. But we do. That's why you got to have your up at, at all times. And so that's why. How many times have we said that came out of nowhere? You don't, we don't plan to sin. We don't plan to, to give in to the temptation. That wasn't our intention. It wasn't our intention to be stretched. It wasn't our intention to have a dart flung at us, a spear hurled at us, an arrow flying toward us. And yet that's where we are. And if we're lucky enough to even see it coming, if we don't have our shield of faith ready, it's going to hit us and we're going to see it. It's going to drive into us and we're going to blah anyway. So even if we're lucky enough to see it, if we don't have our shield of faith already up, the temptation comes, it strikes us, and we fail the stretching. So too, we've got to know that Satan will attack sometimes from out of nowhere. So if you want to know how does Satan attack you, he does not give you a warning. He will hurl the temptations from a distance, so you must always be ready. Always. I don't know if you're, if you're dorky enough to be familiar with how people put on armor, took off armor. It was not a five-second process. It could take minutes, even hours, to put on a full suit of armor. 
And so when Scripture talks about putting on the whole armor of God, it's not expecting you to see the arrow from Satan coming, again, if you're even lucky enough to do it, and just go, oh, well, I better start donning my armor. Where did I put that helmet of salvation? I better put that on. You know, where's my breastplate of righteousness? Because I'll be honest, it, it hadn't been on in a while. It's got a little bit of dust over there. Let me go put that on now. We don't get to do that. We've got to always be ready. Because Satan is going to attack us from afar and you may not have time to suit up before the arrow hits you. You may not have time to, 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 to put on the armor before the dart strikes you and you're tempted, you're stretched, and you're not ready. Something is said. Something is done. That even yesterday, if that had been said or done, you wouldn't have felt any stretching. But by golly, it's been hot outside and you're hungry and all these things. And all of a sudden, the thing that wasn't a stretching is now very much a stretching. And the arrow is flying straight at you and you weren't ready. That's why Paul says in Ephesians to be ready in all circumstances to put on this armor of God so that you may be able to withstand the attacks of, uh, of the evil one, the schemes, he says, of the devil. So uh, when we're looking at these flaming darts, we see that these darts are uh, coming from a distance, these arrows, these spears. So you've got to always be ready. You never know where they're going to come from. Don't just prepare for a certain attack. Don't just say, well, the attacks normally come from here, so that's the only thing I'm going to be prepared for. If your attacks, if your temptations, if your stretchings normally come from your marriage, then by all means, put up a heavy bulwark there. But don't assume that's the only place Satan is going to attack you from. Don't assume he's not going to find another foothold, another scheme, another way, another snare. Be ready at all times. So these attacks come from afar, so Satan will attack from afar. The intention of Satan's attacks are always death. So the thing we get from these spears, arrows, you can blunt the blow of a sword, you can turn it, you can pivot a sword and strike with the pommel, but an arrow has one goal. A spear has one goal, and it's to pierce All of its intentions are lethal. It wants to get into the soft parts of your body. Its goal is your internal organs. You swing a hammer, you might concuss someone. Their armor, you might beat someone with a sword and their armor block it till they yield. But an arrow is going to go through till it hits flesh. It punches, it jabs, it pierces. Its intention is always to kill. And you need to understand that Satan wants to kill you. We've got to know that whatever temptation he brings our way, whatever sin you see coming, whatever dart you acknowledge, whatever spear is headed your way, you've got to know that that temptation is not for your good. That that temptation is not good for you. It's not going to make your life better. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, and sometimes he disguises his spears as flowers. He throws them like some sort of hippie, you know, putting a a daisy at the end of a barrel. And he points his gun at us, and he pulls the trigger, and we're like, I saw a daisy on the end of that. I bet it's nothing. 
That's how we receive them. And if you think, oh, that's, that's ridiculous. Think how many times you have been tempted. The temptation has come and you, instead of saying no, have let it strike you and yielded to it. You didn't even try and block it. You didn't even try and run. You gave in and you spewed your guts out. You spewed the vial that was carried on that poison tip. And what Satan wanted you to do, you did. You said it. You did it. Even though before you said it and before you did it, you knew what it was. You knew it wasn't godly. You knew it's what you shouldn't have said. You knew it's what you shouldn't have done. And yet that spear, that arrow, you let it pierce you. You let it drive itself into your heart that has made, been made holy by the Lord. And you expose that holy heart to that most wretched of arrows. You didn't, even, you didn't even hold that heart so precious that you would keep a shield of faith up at all times to defend your body, which is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So you don't think you need to know that Satan's attacks are deadly? Think of all the arrows he's hurled at you that you have let come through. That you've almost willed to be a, I wish I could say. And he says, fine. And he releases it. He, he hurls it. And you take it because you wanted to say it. You wanted to do it because you thought it would be better for you if you did. And you couldn't imagine holding those words back. You couldn't imagine not doing that. I can't imagine a life where I don't do this. I can't imagine a type of life where I don't say that. Well, that's you saying that you think this death is better than you, for you than the life that Christ tells for you to have. You think it's better when, he, when, when he's the one who tells you, die so that you might truly live. You need to understand that when Satan hurls these things, as he is hurling temptations at you, as he is hurling stretchings for you, they want to kill you. Every single one of them. So when you feel those temptations on your when the Spirit, by his grace, absolute grace because he doesn't have to because he warned you to have your shield up already he told you to he told you to put on the whole armor anyway he's already told you what you need to do and yet sometimes in his grace he still gives you a warning he still lets you know you are not prepared for this do not do what you're thinking about doing do not say it this is a stretching, this is a temptation, this is a trial, and yet even with that still small voice, even with that whisper from the mountain, we still yield to the spear. We lay our, our breasts bare for the arrow because we actually think that's going to be better for us. That's the foolishness of temptation. No one, if anyone had shot an arrow at you and you saw arrows coming, no one would go, I think this is going to be good. I think this is going to be good for us. I think, don't run, don't run. I think these are, these are health arrows. You know, these are, these are going to actually, they're going to make us stronger, I bet. No one does that. Except for Christians and the hurl of Satan's spears. We're the only ones, though, foolish enough to think 
that that arrow is meant for our good. And every time you give in to temptation, that's what you're doing. You're saying the sin that would kill you, you thought was going to bring you life. Because if you didn't think that, you wouldn't have done it. If you didn't think that, you wouldn't have said it. It's only when we foolishly believe that the spears are for our good that we will lay ourselves open for Satan's attacks. So remember, his attacks are, uh, are always deadly, uh, and so we must always be uh, prepared uh, before it's too late. Because once it's too late, I mean, the damage has been done. The words have been said. The, the action has been committed. But notice this too. Not just, not just that the, these arrows come from afar, that they're meant to, to kill us. These arrows, these darts... Uh, are not singular. They're not singular. Satan, Satan hurls arrows. He hurls darts, spears, all of those things, plural. Satan's attacks are numerous. So, so don't, think, don't think because you stopped one arrow, because you stopped one temptation, because you stopped one stretching, that the battle is over. Your enemy doesn't shoot arrow. It, do, it doesn't warn us. It doesn't warn us to beware of uh, the flaming dart. It's darts. And Satan's attacks will be, will be numerous. Your enemy shoots uh, flaming darts, flaming arrows. In fact, what word does it put at the front of that? All. All the flaming darts. All implies that there are many that are going to come our way. He won't just attack you on one front. He won't just attack you with one attack. He won't just attack you with one thing. Satan hurls and hurls and shoots and shoots, arrow after arrow, spear after spear, aimed at you, aimed at your weak spots, and when you block it one time, he'll come right back again. So, And we've seen that. You'll hold your tongue once, and then he says one more thing. And you held your tongue that first time, and that second time was you, that was the that broke the dam, right? And you might have even been proud of yourselves. I'm not even going to say anything. Excuse me, what? Uh, just like right like that. You may have been faithful in the moment, but the 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 spear is followed by another. The arrow is followed by another and another and another. So don't think just because you blocked one stretching. Don't think just because you had the shield of faith up for that one temptation that you can throw it down and, and, and dance around and have a victory day party. Be ready to block all the flaming darts. We've got to understand that if you're going to handle stretching well, because, you, because what happens is we might feel like you know, you're stretched in one area. And put all your focus there. All, steal the shield idea. All your faith there. Because that's where you struggle. And then wham! You find out your enemy is firing from a different direction. Because you forgot he doesn't just have one arrow. He doesn't just come from one way. He's got all, all these flaming arrows, all these flaming darts. We've got to be ready for arrows, not just arrow. We've got to be ready for all that might come our way and all of the places from where it might come. But it gets even worse. Because these aren't mere arrows. These aren't just simple darts. These aren't plain spears. These are flaming weapons. Satan wasn't just happy enough to shoot darts at us 
Not satisfied with just throwing spears our way, hurling arrows, he sets them on fire. You light an arrow? What do you light an arrow for? To set its target on fire. You light an arrow to cause its damage to spread. When we fight evil, when we fight the one who does evil, the evil one, his attacks and therefore its attacks are not meant to end with just one wound. His attacks are gangrenous. They're meant to spread. They're flaming. They're meant to, when you shoot an enemy with an arrow, your hope is that it will not just catch that spot on fire, but his entire being. How does God describe the danger of these sinful flames? Look at James chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. James talks about the, the tongue and how dangerous a fire it is. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. And that's the type of weapons that Satan is hurling at us. Flaming weapons meant to spread. The arrows hit and they spread. They might attack you in one area. They might attack you in the area of personal self-control. But then, because through that dart making it in, it's not satisfied with just there. It will spread. It will bleed, and it'll bleed into how you treat your kids. So it started out with you not being self-controlled, but then you not being self-controlled then bleeds into other areas to where you don't have self-control now as how you're a parent. The sin, it's not a new arrow. The arrow that hits you in the lack of self-control, is now spread to all these other stretchings, all these other situations. It might attack, the, the attack might come on your marriage. But since fire spreads, it starts to affect not just your marriage, but your church life. It might attack your faithfulness with your finances, but then moves into your marriage. But you thought, no, 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 this is a totally different issue. This is a separate issue. I'm sorry. You don't get to do that. We don't get to choose to have barriers for for sin to spread or not spread. You let the arrow in and the fire will burn until it consumes everything about you. Every area. Flames spread and evil attacks with flaming weapons. So when it comes to the fight against evil in all its various forms, you cannot assume... You're out of its range. You cannot assume any part of your life is off limits. Any part of your life is untouchable. You can't assume that this will never affect that. You don't get to do that. Anyone who's ever had to try, you know, the, 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 the most oxymoronic word for any rural area is the word controlled burn. Because anyone who's tried to do a controlled burn knows, well, I was not in control. Even though I told the fire, this was a controlled burn, okay? So fire, control yourself. Uh, There's been many a fire department called for controlled burns because no one tells the fire that it's controlled. Uh, And that's the way sin works. You might think I'm going to let this in because this is an area I'm weak in or this won't affect me too much. I'm tired of dealing with the stretching. I'll just give in in this one spot, this one little thing. And that's the foothold. That's the point that begins to sweep across the rest of you, moving from bow to stern until your entire ship is consumed in fire. 
Evil through Satan hurls darts at you. Things you never expected. Shots from left field. And they keep coming and coming and coming. And they are all on fire. And they can consume you. They can consume your household. They can consume our church because we are one body. We've got to know. We've got to know what's coming our way. That we can't just have our eyes fixed on the things that we expect. When Satan attacks, the darts are meant to end. To end you. But not meant to end with you. They're intended to spread. He'll hit you to get to your children. He'll drive his spear through your belly to get to your daughter. And you might say you're willing to throw your body in front of... But he, if, he'll shoot you to get to her. He'll shoot you, wife, to get to your husband. He'll shoot you to get to this church. He shoots with flaming weapons on purpose. It does not end there. And it doesn't just end with you. It doesn't end until, as James warned, the entire course of your life is set on fire. Any arrow can do that. Any spear, any shot from Satan can have that outcome. If you believe that, you would believe the warnings of Paul. When he says to put on the whole armor of God and to be ready in all circumstances. If you believe that at all, I would not have to convince you to put on the armor of God every day. I wouldn't have to convince you that the first thing you needed to do when you got up was to armor up. If you believed with even just one ounce of your being, with even one ounce of faith that God is telling the truth in these passages, you would armor up every day lest you be consumed and everyone you love consumed with you. That's what Satan wants to do. And he is walking to and fro on this earth, looking for the chance to do it to you and to do it to those you love. We'll talk about some of the other ways that describe Satan's attacks. Oh, great. There's more, right? Uh, this week, I wanted to get us just started getting a grasp on, on what evil is, how those evils might attack us through the evil one, so that this week you can begin to cry out, deliver us from evil. I mean, I wanted, I wanted those things to seem ominous. I wanted those things to not seem ominous. I wanted you to know they are ominous. Those are grave warnings. That's why if you, if you believe that, you'd armor up, but you know what else you would do? What is, what is the end of putting on the armor of God do? <laughs> Making supplication. <laughs> like praying at all times, right? And that's what you do. If you believed what it said here, you would run to Ephesians and you would run to Matthew and you would say, deliver us from evil because this is what we're facing. And this is how he does it. And the only way I can stand is with you. None of us in our right minds want to be attacked. None of us want arrows hurled at us, but they are. They will be. The arrows are coming. They are not idle and they are lit. 
and they're headed your way. The sky is full of them because the evil one has a host of fiends with their bows drawn as well. That's your situation right now. So what do you do? You pray. And so let's do that right now. Just take a moment in prayer, each of us individually and as a body. Let's all cry out for the faith that we need, not just to withstand the attacks, but to believe the attacks are coming and to believe that they are what God says they are. The first step in our battle for the shield of faith is to believe these attacks are really coming at you and to believe they're really as bad as he says they are. Because if you don't believe that, you will not lift your shield. If you don't believe that, you will not armor up. You will be a soft target. For something that wants to kill you, consume you, and consume the entire course of your life. Not end until every part is burned to the ground. Satan always takes a scorched earth policy. No, always does. No strategic strikes for Satan. It is scorched earth every time. So just ask for the faith to believe what God says about those attacks. To believe what he says about the evil one and, and what his intentions are for you. And then cry out to be delivered. Right now, let's all of us cry out for God to deliver us from the evil one. Cry out to be rescued. And in faith, in faith, know that you will be. Maybe you'll be snatched away so that the arrows miss. Maybe God will deflect the attacks so that they do not hit. Maybe he'll remind you of the shield of faith that he has given you that can extinguish those darts. But your God will always deliver you from the evil one. I want us to end with this verse, this promise from Hebrews chapter 2. Verses 14 and 15. Listen to these words as you pray. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong Slavery. Praise God who warns us about our enemy, who tells us about his tactics, and who delivers us, and who destroys our adversary through the death of his own son on our behalf. Father, we come to you today And we simply cry, deliver us from evil, Father. 
you are already doing that and opening our eyes to how the, the evil one works and showing us what he does and telling us to be ready. And ultimately, we know that our deliverance comes in the son. Who through death has destroyed the one who through the power of death that is the devil was able to hold us in a fear of death. And therefore lifelong slavery. Thank you for Christ. Our deliverer. It's in his name that we pray. And ask deliver us from evil. Amen.